Super Mario Bros. is a pretty pervasive game. It was the title that launched the NES and Famicom into the stratosphere of public opinion and sales, and maybe one of the few pieces of software to save the video game market after the game's market crashed in the early 1980s. Everyone knows Mario. Everyone has memories of Mario, and it started here. Well, actually, it started with Donkey Kong, but whatever. Super Mario Bros. taught millions of children the language of video games through its simple first level. Nowadays, you've got games that have tutorial levels and reminder dialogue and hand-holding to teach the complexities of the game, which is fine, I guess. But way back in 1985, games didn't have dialogue or a streamlined tutorial level. Most playthroughs of games started and ended with the console's power button. Super Mario Bros. was no different in this regard. So the initial level had to be something players could learn quickly how to play the game from while also being a level returning players wouldn't feel bored and patronized by. So here we have World 1-1. Iconic music, iconic scenery, and iconic design. The controls in Super Mario Bros. are probably the simplest of any NES title. You have left, right, down to crouch, but no use for up. The only vertical movement in the game is achieved by pressing A for jump. And it is A, because you will be jumping most often in this game. These are the basic things you figure out during the first few seconds of the game, just by experimentation alone. That is, without a manual handy. The next piece of this communicative level you encounter is a mystery box, some floating bricks, and this little mushroom guy. Maybe you're supposed to walk into him. Nope. What does B do? Dash? Okay, let's try that. Nope. Well, for now, I'll just get out of his way and see him later, I guess. The first thing about this level, and the game's design in general, is it gives you two options to keep moving forward. Either you avoid enemies, or find a way to eliminate them permanently. Since the controls are so simple, it doesn't take long to find a way to dispatch these moving obstacles just by jumping on them. The next piece of this brilliant level design is the question mark block. The regular bricks are similar to the ground, and in context it's not much of interest compared to the bright yellow square with a big question mark in it. Interestingly enough, the Japanese cartridge actually shares the shade of yellow with the blocks. It just has to be something interactive, right? You can't just walk up to it and hit an interact button. There is no interact button, as earlier we learned what B does. So again, through the simplicity of all of it, you try everything until you figure that jumping under it would work. The game rewards you with a coin, a nice ringing sound, and points to tell you you've done something right. The other question mark blocks in this game's opening also reward the player with a power-up, silently teaching the player how power-ups work in this platforming title. Why is this section of this level of this game so important? Because it's the perfect example of the game itself speaking to the player without using any words, allowing the player to learn the core of how to play the game through experimentation alone. I hope to be able to emulate this kind of design-driven communication when making my own games, because it's a hell of a lot better than Omochao. About Sonic and Shadow's games. Let me be your Kyle's game. Thanks for listening, and I'll, I'll see you next week.